woman nearby as well. But then Charlie thought that if getting wet on a cold July night was the cost of his freedom, it was cheap at the price. After all, many of his heroes had worked alone. Billy the Kid, Gentleman George Leslie, Willie Sutton. But the primary mystery concerned the merry-go-round. Why was it going round and round? And why was the music playing? The parking lot was deserted except for Charlie's Renault and a dark Alfa Romeo Milano, which Charlie assumed belonged to Blake Moss. Across the street were a row of nondescript two-story buildings, darkened storefronts, a sub shop, a unisex beauty parlor, and a Midas muffler garage. There was no sign of Blake Moss. Charlie paused by the entrance of the carnival and glanced around. The Joplin rag started up again, and Charlie found himself whistling along under his breath. Moss, he called, are you in there? There was a padlock and chain on the gate, but the padlock was dangling open. Charlie passed through the fence. He could feel the rain spattering against his bald spot and wished he had brought a hat. On his right was a kiddie ride of miniature race cars designed to let the dimmer toddlers imagine they were taking part in the Indianapolis 500. Charlie made his way around it and continued toward the carousel, which was clearly the center of all activity. Apart from his disinclination to see Moss, Charlie was also late because he had been with Janie Burris, a woman whose very name made his pulse beat faster. Janie was a registered nurse. She was supposed to work that night, but at the last moment her job had been canceled and she had shown up at Charlie's house at the lake around 8.30. And then they had talked. It seemed they were always talking. And before Charlie had realized it was past 9.30 and he still had a 20-mile drive ahead of him. But he also knew that if he had any real interest in seeing Moss, he wouldn't have forgotten and what had he and Janie talked about? Maybe politics, maybe the weather. Charlie could hardly remember. But before him, he could see her animated face and hear her laugh. The merry-go-round was on the other side of the tilt-a-whirl. Charlie knew all these rides, although he hadn't been on any for nearly 40 years. Through the shell-shaped discs of the tilt-a-whirl, he could see the horses rising and falling, and the little scarlet wagons where the more timorous children could sit with their mothers. The merry-go-round was old and the colors had faded. Charlie wondered if some glitch caused by a decaying part hadn't made the whole thing to start up accidentally. But then, who had opened the gate? It was at that moment that Charlie saw Blake Moss. He was sitting in one of the little scarlet wagons, and as the wagon went up and down, Moss's head bobbed up and down as well. Perhaps Moss wasn't sitting so much as slouching. Actually, he seemed asleep. Charlie hurried forward. As a private detective, he had come to distrust the appearance of sleep. There was always so much death about. Grabbing a pink and chartreuse horse, Charlie swung himself onto the platform then began to make his way back toward Moss. Within the merry-go-round itself, the Joplin rag was quite loud, almost aggressive and military, and many of the notes were being struck off-key. Then it occurred to Charlie that all the horses were racehorses. 
It was a matter of posture rather than design. They were stretched out, elongated, as if running fast. Even the scarlet wagon in which Moss appeared to be sleeping was drawn by a pair of purple racehorses. Charlie wound his way toward it, catching hold of the horse rods for support. The surface of the platform was slick with rain, and Charlie had to take care not to be thrown down between the plunging multicolored hooves. Moss leaned back in the seat with his arms spread out along the top. He wore a dark raincoat and dark suit. His blonde hair was mussed, and there was a small bruise with a trickle of blood on his forehead. Then, as Charlie got closer, he saw that Moss's eyes were open. He's watching me, Charlie thought. Moss, he called. And then Charlie realized that Blake Moss was dead. In the second floor lounge...